0: Welcome to episode 519 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Monday, January 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, what's going on?
1: I'm back from Orlando. I was in there for five days at National Sales Meeting, uh, and um, I barely got sleep from that five days, but uh, more importantly, I got to hang out with a listener for a few days. I think we've talked talked about the fact that one of my uh, colleagues, Cormac, uh, from Dublin, uh, listens to this podcast quite regularly. Oddly enough, or weirdly enough, he was in a hotel room right next to me. We realized this when I was walking out. He's walking in. He goes, Oh, that's look amazing. At this. So, yeah, we spent many a uh, uh, late evening together with a bunch of other engineers and some of my uh, field folks and uh, had a good time. But I'm not feeling so hot. I don't know if it's pure exhaustion or uh, flu. I don't know. But uh, I feel pretty was bad. Was the weather nice? Uh, the weather was awesome. It was good. I didn't have any rain until the last day, and I was in the airport and anyhow. Uh, but yeah, during the day, it was just great.
0: Flu's been crazy. I mean, it's, um, some of the stuff I was reading suggests that maybe it's not kind of an out of bounds flu season, just that flu season every year is kind of crazy. And we're going through the, uh, the, the crappiest part of it for this year. So hopefully, uh, you're not coming down with the flu and maybe it's just a one day, two day thing and, and you get better. But, uh, we do have some baseball to talk about, which is is nice you know we got some moves uh after the last podcast literally right after it the two milwaukee moves happened i did talk a little bit about them and i don't know if you listen to this episode yet but the lorenzo Kane move happened as i was recording a little one-off thing about yelich which was crazy and i need to correct something i said about yelich i was stupidly and someone corrected me in the comments stupidly uh, pitting him as a righty and and mentioning the right-handed park factors i don't know why just i don't just kind of went right
1: because you look like him, you hit right-handed. Because I am
0: right-handed, yes, exactly. Um, and so, you know, I was highlighting how, yes, of course, a move to Milwaukee is helpful. But the fact that he is lefty for Yellich uh, makes the move not just helpful, but amazing. Here's the thing, though, with Yellich. you got to get the ball in the air to really take take advantage of the 127 park factor. And
1: th- this has been something – How much does it help? How much does it help if two-and-a-half balls uh, – two-and-a-half ground balls per th-
0: – And this has been something that I've been concerned about yelich forever really i remember when people were kind of starting to project a power growth and we didn't really see it and then he did jump from seven homers to 21 uh and from 15 to 16 and there was a uh like 130 plate appearance jump too but that doesn't account for all of it so there was a power spike because he stopped putting the ball on the ground as much but he went from 63 percent to 57 percent and then last year 55 percent here's the thing jason in this new park uh, with some coaching, do you see Yelich turning it up a little bit more? Maybe getting more to the 50-50 on the ground ball fly ball ratio, uh, or maybe not uh, fifty on the fly ball, but but line drives and fly balls uh, being added to his his batted ball profile to maybe where we could get an upper twenties home run. How do you feel about Yelich now that he's a Milwaukee Brewer?
1: You know, there was a Mike Petriello wrote a good piece, and you know, that's usually the way it goes with him, anyhow. But he he mentioned. He mentioned the fact that perhaps Yelich has a high ground ball rate because he realized it was it, it was a wasted effort to try to drive the ball in the air consistently in Marlins Stadium Precise. unless you are John Carlos Stanton. And he, I mean, he yes. does his road numbers are really good. You look at his road numbers, and that's where he was doing. He didn't have you know the the uh, the ground ball to fly ball ratio has gotten better each of the past three years for him. But you know, he was it, definitely when you look at the road. The road numbers uh 299 385 44 on the road 265 352 391 at home um, so yeah that's where that's where the splits were last year so i think this could be one of those things where yeah maybe he does start trying to launch the ball a little more because now th- those stands are reachable for him and uh i like it but one of the things i'm trying to figure out is how much how much better do the last year's stats get i mean he scored 100 runs he was in an amazing lineup last year when that whole team was when all the bases was you know, it, and when look at it now, that Miami lineup was is, this kind of now is pretty too. I mean, I'm looking and Roster Resource, so they got them projected to hit lead exactly. off with with Kane next. Personally, I'd flip that around, but that's just me. Uh, you know, and that's what they'll, I think they'll do that one way or the other. So it's gonna be
0: one two one you know one way for Yelich. He's gonna be first or second. I think that we can we can pencil or pen that in. I I, I can't see him being any lower than two.
1: Right. I just want him you know we if, if he's hitting lead off obviously that carves into his RBI opportunities because of the bottom of the, the bottom spots of the lineup in front of him. I would love to see him too to have that really good guy OBP guy in front of him and, and the power behind him to protect him. Uh yeah because we talk about lineup protection being about who's in front of you and who's behind you. Uh, Ideally, I I like him a little more at two, but I just don't know if the numbers. I think we can move, you know, take a few, take a few runs or add a few runs, take away a few runs driven in. Uh, Maybe he gets a few more stolen bases with uh, the way Milwaukee is on the base pass, and we add some more homers to him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's career best home run. I mean, twenty one's not. not an unattainable number and he's played every day of the past almost every game of the past two years
0: Mm -hmm. well now so the draft that we're in we're actually going to talk about this it's a draft and hold team we'll get to it uh in detail in a little bit but since we are talking about yelich i want to bring it up the move had already been done by the time uh that that his spot was maybe getting ready to be drafted um and he really jumped his adp here his average draft position has been around 70 in the uh, NFBC leagues and Ray from baseball HQ Ooh. got him at, what was that? 40, uh, 51st. If you look at it, three rounds, yeah, not even then, 45,
1: 46, 47,
0: 49th and, Okay. So yeah. So we're looking 49th, at, yeah,
1: yeah. 49th,
0: uh, 49th pick. And then it was a run of five outfielders. So I'm going to give you the five outfielders and you let me know if you would have taken Yelich first. So it went Yelich, Chris Davis with a K, Marcelo Zuna, Andrew Benintendi, Byron Buxton. Would you have taken Yelich over all of those guys now that he's in Milwaukee
1: In Miami? No, in Milwaukee, yes. I had no problem with that order. In Miami, no, of course. Yeah, of no, course. I had no problem with that order. I was looking at, and I know I let Pollock go after because I took. I ended up taking Andrus there um, with the sixth, seventh, eighth. Yeah, fifty-sixth pick. I, Pollock went right after me, but I, I was, I was hoping that one of the former Marlins was going to make it down to me, and when it didn't, I just became the position.
0: Yeah, so, uh, so was I, and I ended up in that round going for catcher because uh, my uh, outfield board was cleared. I was actually going to do something that might surprise folks. I was going to take Byron Buxton if he had made it too. It was, the, it was the two former Miami guys, and Buxton uh, were kind of the tops on my list there. They all get taken. I actually went catcher with Wilson Contreras, figuring I'll get in on this upper tier of catcher. I think he's the second or third guy. I, I went ahead and took him over Posey. And, uh, I felt pretty good about that. I backed him up with Corey Knievel. But again, we'll talk more about that going forward. Kane, uh, then went, let's see, at the beginning, excuse me, yeah, the very beginning of the sixth round. So, big 76. So, so you're, you're talking about pick 76 to Derek Van Riper. I believe that's going to be jumping his ADP as well. Obviously they both get jumped up. Yeah, it was ni- It's a 92 ADP, uh, with a high of 71. So he got him, he got him lower than the, the highest pick for Kane. How do you feel about Kane headed from KC to Milwaukee? Cause that's a pretty good jump too. KC, it's, it's regarded as a hitters or er, a pitcher's park that it is, but I don't know that it's fully given right. the credit for being a pitcher's park. Um, uh, on, on a par with a Miami type so so how do you feel about Kane a guy that you've definitely been a fan of in the past uh heading over to Milwaukee as well
1: yeah I've definitely been bullish on him in the past and this is not going to stop that problem uh yeah like I said if he hits lead off with this with Yellich behind him and Shaw I think it could be very beneficial for him but even if he hits second either way I'm happy with him uh in this spot and getting out of that park and moving over to Milwaukee in the central where uh you know the Pirates' pitching staff is going to be what it is at this point, and their defense. And yeah, uh, I like it. I would have, I would not have had a problem here. I ended up taking Cano in that round myself because I only have one. I only have George Springer in the second round. It's the only outfielder I've rostered so far. Uh, it well, just, I have that
0: Trout guy, and then I, 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 I got you, bastard. Um, I got you, and I, I, I knew there was absolutely no chance he's making it back, and so I felt good, quick, ready yes. to take. Yes, the yeah. Beginning of the ninth round. And so I I got him and I immediately got a message from you. And, um, I'm sure I agitated a few others because this is actually a pretty Puig friendly league. I want to say that, uh, that DVR and Tim Heaney are both fans of him off the top of my head, as well as Jeff Erickson, who, uh, he and Chris Liss often talk about Puig. And the three of us, when we get on, uh, when I have my spots on there, I'm always talking about, uh, liking Puig as much as them. So the ninth round was the, the, the spot. And frankly, I was happy to take you off about it because, um, uh, you know, we're against each other in this one. We're not. We're not. Pairing now, this own. is so
1: weird because we haven't done that in so long. We've done it in some mock drafts, but you know, this is real. This is a draft Never champions a, league. A league. Yeah, this this counts. This counts. So, um, yeah. So I felt good about getting
0: Puig. Does a winner
1: get to host the All Star Game party?
0: Yes. Okay, yes, cool. that's exactly
1: that exactly way.
0: So yeah, we'll get more in, in detail on that draft uh, momentarily. But Kane and Yelich obviously both get boosted up. I don't hey, think that, that, that the ADP is. Are we worried about Matt? What about home? Matt? I was, he went, actually, I, I, sorry. I know, I know that you want to talk about it, but we're going to do a whole special episode. It's going to be a three hour extravaganza. I always tomorrow. miss the good stuff uh, with, I listen. I'm sorry. I should have included you, but you know, really begged me to kind of do the whole thing. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, you know, he wanted to go three hours. I said, yeah, we got to
1: do that. Maybe we might go five. So we'll see. Uh, jokes aside, I mean, I'm actually kind of intrigued. I'm a, I'm a bit intrigued with him in all only leagues. As we look at, well, I mean, Joe, yeah, but and uh, I'm intrigued only because he's a guy that can work. He's got one of those. He's one of those guys that can come in and pitch a little more often than he does. He's a relief. (laughs) And, right. and
0: that's not a, that's not a fat joke or anything like that. But, but he, he can go out there and give you, uh, multi inning stints pretty easily. And he upped his K rate last year big time. Although there wasn't a commensurate swinging strike rate jump with it for, uh, for Albers. He went from 13% in twenty sixteen to twenty-seven percent last year. But even if you if you acknowledge that sixteen was was crazy low, his career seventeen percent, he's still adding ten percentage points last year, uh, but only jumped to a nine percent swinging strike rate. So I don't know how real that is uh, with regards to a 35 year old Albers, but um obviously we're not worried about him taking over Canibal's job, but you're saying you like him as a one dollar NL only guy?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean he's that you look last year he vultured seven wins out of that. So he got seven wins and strikeouts I mean the ERA is unsustainable, but you know in that in that bullpen in the National League, yeah, I, I'm willing to go end game one, maybe two dollars if I need to get some uh, get some help down there in the late late game. Okay, yeah, he had a uh, 203 BABIP
0: and 92 percent left on base rate. Neither of those will hold; they'll regress. But even if he's at his FIP, which was 340 for the ERA, then Albers could be a, a solid 65 inning sort of guy for you. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that move. Let's talk about what went back. In the, uh, Yelich deal, Lewis Brinson, that's obviously the, the, the key piece here that we're focused on. Ison Diaz is a, is a legitimate prospect and, uh, Yamamoto, I think is going to be, uh, a, kind of a far off reliever. So Brinson is really the fantasy aspect that we need to focus on. Obviously the playing time opens up for him, but that garbage lineup and the difficult park. How, how do we feel about Louis Brinson? you think they let him run wild? Uh, are, are, are you taking him for the volume piece?
1: No, because the volume could still be really, really bad. I mean, they they should let him play. What else do they have? I mean, at this point, you let him play out there. You got to do something. Uh, but maybe does he even start the year? If the Marlins are going to get super cheap, are they going to do what Tampa Bay does and sit these guys until June and just find some free agent to stick in there until middle of June and then bring them up? I would think that he
0: probably won't break camp because I don't think he expired his rookie eligibility last year with just 55 plate appearances. So, you know, at, at the very least, he's going to get that couple week treatment uh, to, to protect the, the the service time there. But he, like you said, he could actually go as far as the Super Two, which is kind of that nebulous date between late May and early June. And a team like uh, like Miami might might you know be very conservative about it and try to wait until you know, just after the the MLB draft in the first week of June to bring up Lewis Brinson. So, you know, roster resource right now hasn't penciled in as a starting center fielder. And I understand they don't have anybody else that really fits in there and they they should just play him. But to your point, I think it's something that we do have to be cognizant of and, and say, Hey, he might not just get the job from day one and, and run with it. They also got Magnaris Sierra, who I definitely believe is a more of a fourth outfielder type, but, Maybe they're more comfortable bringing him up. I, I don't think he expired his, uh, his rookie status either. So they've got two guys now. I don't think, in, cause here, I'm assuming Real Muto gets dealt. And at that point, I think Justin Bohr is about the only guy. And I guess Starlin Castro are the only two guys in that lineup that I would really consider drafting this year in a mixed league. Otherwise, you know, Brinson in an and an NLO. And here's
1: the thing. Well, there's a, I was talking to, to our friend Craig about this, um, this morning. Why in the hell would I pitch Justin Bohr? Oh, absolutely.
0: This that's, that's a fair point. So maybe he, maybe not even Justin Bohr is worth drafting unless you're in an OBP league and he's going to have a 900 OBP and a, you know, he could
1: legit have a four-something. He could have a 450 OBP Easily. because there's no reason to pitch to a him. A 450 OBP. Then on first and second, go ahead and load it in up. A
0: 450 slug because he just he, he gets a few few power hits, but for the most part doesn't really do anything. Just gets on base walking to first every time up.
1: I made the joke. I made the joke he could hit 40 and drive in 60. <laughs> and I, I remember who do we – oh, this was back – remember when we did this about Freddie Freeman? Yes. And we I said that concerned. he was going to drive in fewer than 75, yeah. and we were right. We've probably been like seventy-four or sixty-seven, but he hit thirty homers. That's what's gonna happen here. I love Justin Bohr, but he's not even as good as
0: as Freeman. So it's 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 a situation where it's like it could be a, a lesser version of what Freeman went through when he when he was kind of slogging out the bad teams there, and now they're on the rise in in uh in Miami. So it's a tough situation. Do you do you see real muto being being dealt? What about Castro and Bohr? Maybe they deal all three and they really fully tear it down or do you think they keep these guys around and, and give them some semblance of a uh, of an upper half of a lineup
1: well i you know when you hear the story when you hear the rumors about mlb looking at them you know how bad they're taking it and whatever maybe they have to keep it. And the Castro deal is not prohibitively expensive but you know bowers definitely uh sorry, yeah, sorry, has some value here on the open market and he's already got uh, i don't know man like i said it's really tough for me to look at this and not think freddie freeman all over again I think the uh, I'm looking at Freddie Freeman's numbers. I forgot. It was a couple of years back. He ended up driving in 62 uh, in, in 481 plate appearances with 18 home runs. Um, it wasn't like he was walked in a normal abnormal amount. But there is truly no reason to pitch to this dude.
0: The tough part with Bohr in terms of having value on the market, though, is the fact that the market hasn't moved. And so, if the uh, if if the Marlins. Get crazy and try to charge too much for a 30-year-old, you know, solid power guy, but a guy who has not put up 450 major league plate appearances, then teams will just pass and go sign Logan Morrison or one of the other countless guys that we've talked about that's still on the market. So I think they would actually have trouble trading him.
1: Such a joke. These guys are still sitting out there. Uh, It's
0: it's insane. I mean, I feel like we say it every time that the, we have a show, but it gets more and more insane as fewer and fewer guys are are uh, off the market. At this point, when you're looking at these check marks versus previous years, it's like how is nobody signed? So I don't even know if they'd have an easy time trading board. Real Muto should be very easy to trade catcher. Um, you know, a, a quality catcher, 27 years old, super athletic. Even Castro could probably get dealt, but I don't know that they'd even find a place for Boar. So Miami's a wasteland. I'm not really touching it right now. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. There was a small move here, and I'm more worried about the repercussions than the actual move itself. Alcides Escobar goes back to KC, could be one of uh, a couple guys that they signed back from their their – Uh, pile of free agents. People are talking maybe Hosmer, that's his only spot, or uh, Moose really seems gone, although he's not getting any bites, so who the hell knows. But Escobar is going to go back. uh, To say he's glove first would imply that there's any sort of bat. He's glove only, but he is super reliable in terms of playing the field. 162 games in three of the last four seasons. Um, Even in the year that he didn't have, 162, it was 148, but he still put up 600. Two plate appearances however in those four seasons he has a combined 74 ops plus he is garbage with the bat the only nice thing about his line in those four years are the 69 stolen bases uh, so he's a glove first guy the thing that bothers me here is that it blocks off uh, a little bit for lc or excuse me for raul mondesi jr because they still have whit merrifield who's likely going to be playing second base now unless they shift him yeah, but I see his name. But I see his name in trade rumors too. Well, that'd be interesting if they if they ended up
1: trading Merrifield, putting him on to see a second. Yeah, he should. He's high value. I mean, I know he's a new name for us, but Merrifield's twenty nine years old. Yeah,
0: no you know fan. who he feels like? He really feels like he should be um, a Cardinal. A twenty eight year old breakout that feels like a Cardinal, not a royal. So we'll see what they do there.
1: Maybe. They- and with that name, it just screams Duke frat boy. No offense to the frat boys that listen to this thing, but I'm sorry. It's Where, such a where's the third. He the was a fourth. ninth round pick.
0: That's such a Cardinals thing to get a ninth round pick who breaks out in the in the late 20s. So you know we'll we'll see what happens here. I like I said. I'm a little bit concerned on this uh, as far as it goes with our Mondesi's playing time. I was looking at him as a nice speed option in a, in a draft like the one we're in the 50 round draft and hold or AL only's mixed leagues was a little, they got to be pretty deep and have to be like a 15 teamer with uh, you know, Seven plus reserve guys to take a shot on him in the reserve rounds because he hasn't really done anything in 209 plate appearances. But he's also 22 years old. Right. And Raul Mondesi Jr. does have pedigree, has incredible speed. Um, How do you feel about his outlook now that now that Escobar is back in KC? I
1: don't get I don't get KC. I mean, they, when they when they put this out, they actually advertised they advertised his fielding percentage. Yay! He has a 978 career fielding percentage. Gee, thanks. Um let's, let's just overlook the fact how many runs he just killed you in. Um, but I, I digress. I mean, one of the things, what I would like to see, uh, tying this back into Milwaukee, I would love to see Milwaukee make a move from Airfield and strengthen the Villar situation at the bottom of their lineup. I mean, which Villar do you think you're going to get this year the one that broke out in 16 and the one that looked completely lost last year and he's cheap you make that flip around and be do I don't know what else they have left but I would love to see them really go all in when everybody else is going one direction these guys in the giants too said all right fine we're going to go the other way we'll try to make a push around this uh, and see where and see where things go with it but uh well yeah with modesty I don't know it doesn't look good. This is where you should be giving these guys a chance to play. You had that whole run of guys. You got your World Series. You weren't able to capitalize upon it the past two years. Try again with something else. Don't bring back guys like this.
0: Yeah, I, I think of the guys that they had as free agents, this would have been the least desirable one for me, LCDs Escobar. Uh, you know, No offense to him, but I just feel like y- you had an option there with, uh, with Mondesi Getting ready to take be be a full time shortstop, and they really should have gone that route.
1: All right, next up, we got a little. Train. I mean, he's thirty. He's a thirty one. Hold on a second. Like, he's a thirty one year old shortstop. Thirty one doesn't. I mean, his own bases have just about gone because he and, just can't get on base anymore.
0: Cannot hit. Cannot hit. Oh, he was four for eleven on the bases
1: last year. That is disgusting. This is like a. This is like the kind of free agent signing we used to see back before analytics got its legs. You know, it's like, oh, you gotta have this guy. This guy, this reminds me of like a nineteen eighty seven Philly signing. This
0: reminds me of uh, the the time my dad used to tell me about when, as long as you could field, it did. It didn't matter if you were a literal uh, super negative with the bat, you you could play. But we don't usually have that in today's game. You got to be able to do something. And yet, he's going to get two point five mil. And can get a another one point five million via plate appearance incentives. No, no, it's, it's the, not the, an the, the
1: term is fine, but he sucks.
0: Yeah, like, here's why. I'm
1: sorry. I, I'm I'm wondering if there's something else going on with Modesty that we don't know about for them to make this because on paper that it makes so much sense. For this, this is so cheap too. At two and a half, yeah, he's a half a win player for the last two seasons. This is cheap. Um, you know. Maybe they just want to use him in then because he is
0: just 22 years old. Uh, and maybe they didn't want to thrust him into a full time role like that. It's not like, uh, he's blocked off forever. And now Raul Mondesi's, you know, potential is, is stifled. But with the way the team was going, losing all those free agents and kind of turning over a new, uh, a new system here, I would have thought, Hey, give him a full season here. Uh, a lot of runway to kind of figure it out. He had a big season at AAA last year, one of his uh, his best season in the minors. He showed some power. He showed great speed, 21 for 24 on the bases, as a 21-year-old Mondesi Jr. did. Uh, and that was in just 85 games with 13 homers and an 879 OPS. But they're going to go this route. So we'll see. Maybe it's a situation where Escobar is going to kind of keep it uh, warm for, for a couple months, and they're going to ease Mondesi in. Uh, you play a little bit here at second. You play a little bit here at short. They can move Merrifield out into the outfield. I believe Merrifield played some outfield last year, unless I'm crazy on that. Uh, so they can kind of fit him in in the outfield. And then by the summer, if Mondesi shows that that A wasn't a fluke, then they could start uh, uh, fitting him in more and more as a starter. So I wouldn't lose all hope. I would still take him as a dirt cheap Reserve pick, but I didn't like seeing that that move when when it came. He did
1: across. play. He did play seventy innings. Uh, no, I'm sorry, he played 43 left field last year, and he played 70 in right field, so 113 total. Uh, no, I'm just bummed because I really want to see all the juniors up next year. I want to see Vlad Junior, Romandise Junior, Dante Machette Junior. <laughs> I want every single junior on the list Well, Bo Bichette's the good. No, one. No, he's Dante so, Unfortunately, Jr. He's Dante Bo, That's a nickname. It's Dante Bichette Junior. I don't care what this birth certificate says. I want all the juniors. <laughs> uh, all of them. And, and the you. other thing I want here Listen. is we need to also rename the Mendoza line, the Escobar line. Because nobody knows who Mendoza is. This is now we need to make this 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 uh measure more decade appropriate. Nobody knows you ask, hey, what's what's Mendoza's first name? Nobody's know it's Mario. But if we say the Escobar line, oh my God, yeah, that's bad. So this is now the Escobar. I, line.
0: I'm I'm a thousand percent on board with that. All in, I will say, MLB The Show did do their best to uh, to to reignite the the Mendoza line. They had they got his rights for some reason. I guess those were like nine cents, and they put a uh, Mario Mendoza card in the game. I think it was like a fifty overall, and in the scale of of course is is zero to ninety nine. And uh, unless you are like a seventy five overall, you are not really a usable card in any way, shape, or form. So the fact that he was a fifty tells you all you need to know about Mario Mendoza. But you're right. Nobody knows what the hell the Mendoza line is. The Escobar line, I'm in. He's garbage. KC, still in the news. Small trade. Just before we got on, curious your thoughts on this. Jesse Hahn and Heath Philmeyer, full disclosure, do not know who Heath Philmeyer is. Uh For Ryan Buchter and Brandon Moss, back out to Oakland. So Hahn to KC and Buchter and Moss out to Oakland. Those are really the principles there. I don't know that Phil Meyer um, is is going to be much of anything this year on the fantasy landscape, although I don't know about him, so maybe I'm full of crap and he is going to contribute this year, but I doubt it. So what'd you think when you saw this trade here? More of an AL only, but we we play AL only, so it does kind of matter to us.
1: Seen it? I'm only hearing about it just now. Oh well, it it happened while you were driving home, so that makes sense. So i the, the fact that Jesse Hahn and Nate Carnes are both on the same team now with the curveballs. Is fun. That's very exciting. Yes, if they can say that's fun to me because both guys are. I always end up with one of them on a roster late and reserve rounds. Something because I can't quit either of them. So now, in, in my brain,
0: Han is thirty eight because I've been taking him for so many this, years. But I think he's only like
1: 27. This this is true. Um, I don't know what I guess Oakland's trying to go back to the well here because oh, the only difference. Yeah, the power Moss is able to hit the home runs, but that's it. He's a bench
0: bat though, so they don't need a lot out of him. Matt Olson's going to start at first. Um, Matt Joyce, Stephen Piscotti in the in the corners in the outfield. So it's not like they're asking a lot of Moss. Booker gives him a lefty, which they actually didn't have. Roster Resource did not have a lefty in their bullpen yet, and he's not a bad he's not a bad left hander. So, oh, uh, well,
1: they got Ryan Flynn.
0: Brian Flynn. Brian Flynn. Sorry. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, but he's garbage. And now I think Bookter's not too bad. So they got a little bit of a bullpen yeah. cooking. They get a bench bat there. Honestly, I think Han's the most intriguing. And as you mentioned, you've drafted him or Karns a lot. I like Jesse Han too. Can he finally stay healthy and eclipse even 100 major league innings? Because his career high right now is 97. Did well, you
1: say no? No, at this point, why keep him in a rotation? At 20, a 29 point, years old, you know he's, he's been able to do the swing and miss. I know he's been a star for his entire career. But – He'd get throw even 97 innings in a single season. Yeah, you got the ground ball rate. You he's got some swing in this. I mean, last year was his best year in that uh, best year of the last three. It wasn't his best overall. But I'm I'm wondering if this isn't the move that you put him to the bullpen and try that out. The because he, the health has been a problem, and that would be the easiest way to fix it. By the way,
0: I think I was confused there. I was talking about Oakland not having lefty. Brian Flynn is on KC still, so he's there primary lefty i was speaking about oakland not having lefty and now they have booked her so each team um has kind of one primary lefty though neither is uh is particularly special there uh, but with regards to han do you see him as so getting the reason uh that i want to bring this up is because you brought up Carnes, who i do like and he's coming back from from thoracic outlet syndrome surgery i see Carnes as as uh somebody who could be that that big middle inning uh, yes. uh multi-inning reliever type where he goes two to three innings two to three times a week do you think han might be this might be better served as the same maybe they kind of piggyback each other uh and th- they alternate starts but they know that they're only really going to go three maybe four innings and then they turn it over to the other guy do you think that using those two as kind of a joint starter would be a good move for casey
1: I wouldn't mind it at all. That's the thing with Carnes. I mean, he has noticeable issues. Uh, We talk about times through the order penalty. Oh, it was big time in Tampa Bay, right? Oh, and he hated it. He hated getting yanked, but the numbers backed it up every single time. And and that's one of the worst. Yeah, really terrible because he's only a two pitch guy. I mean, he's got more Mm -hmm. consistent. I mean, the curveball can uh, can leave him. The fastball command is really where he struggles. I mean, he's got a decent one. But you know, he, it's a little flat when he gets it up, and then he de- misses his spot with it. But the curveball, sometimes he'll throw that. It's one of the better ones you'll see in the league. And then he'll, go, then he'll play around with the straight change. It's like, man, just do more of that. And that's why yeah, he's probably going to end up on my team again. But I like the idea of tandeming those two guys because you know, Han at this point is more of a, a sinker-slider type of dude. And, yeah, these two guys – Maybe together they can give you 180 innings. But I don't think either of them gets over 90. Carnes' career,
0: 762 the first time through, 605 the second time through, 869 the third time through. That's a substantial jump, especially because he is better in that second time through when he's kind of hitting his groove. But then he runs smack dab into that wall. Back in 2016, because he didn't pitch much uh last year, he only had 38 third time through plate appearances. But back in 2016... Get a 10-11 OPS in 83 third time through plate appearances. So it's just not there for him. He's he's a he's a four, five inning max guy, and that's on his best days when he's really cooking. But once you start getting into that uh, you know, upper eighties pitch count and and third time through, it's trouble for Karnes. So take a look at uh at, at Han, maybe as an AL only one dollar guy. I think the same probably goes for Moss and even Bookter, uh, where where you can get. Uh, you know middle relievers that aren't aren't super flashy outside of the fact that they'll get a bunch of k's he has been a decent swing and miss guy and he will be the primary lefty for Oakland. so small trade for al only folks uh that's all we're talking about there i'm looking on uh, MLB trade rumors to make sure there's no other moves and of course there aren't so we can now deep, deep dive deeper excuse me into our draft which is currently in i believe the 10th uh, round ninth is that round. correct Ninth round. We're in the middle of the ninth round. Oh, you just got swiped. What? Uh, you were going to take Trevor Bauer, right? Yes. Er- Erickson got you. Uh, literally just yeah. two minutes ago. How dare he? Oh, excuse me. a long ago? But yeah, you just you just got you just got you just got punked. Um if you were going to take your favorite team's closer uh, he went to pick before that, Colomay. so That
1: was not. He was favorite. he was sitting there and I was like, "Nah, I'm good." I mean, I haven't taken a second closer yet, but neither have a bunch of dudes. Um you know, somebody even don't even have one. Yeah, somebody a first one, uh, at least one doesn't. So I wasn't sweating that yet. But I, like I said, the last two picks I've taken Moustakas and uh, Rafael Devers uh, both the, for third base and corner because the outfielders that I was eyeballing nothing really excited me there on those outfield picks. Yeah, uh, you know, I let. Well, let's run down your team. Right, go ahead. from from the from the five hole here. Uh, you
0: took Trey Turner shocker. first. Huge shocker. We we, you know. I think it was a commenter on, on something that's that said he doesn't really buy uh, Trey Turner as a first rounder. And I, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with, with seeing a logic behind that. If you're not comfortable, it's one thing if you're not comfortable. I've had situations where I acknowledge that somebody is a first rounder, but I just don't necessarily want them. And I think that's two different things than saying they're not a first rounder. I think Turner is absolutely a first rounder. Um, We took him last year to some derision at, at what was it? Pick nine uh, in, in labor mixed. And frankly, I feel like we were proven correct. I know he didn't play all year, uh so you know it's a little bit of of grading on the curve there when you when you not extrapolate his 98 games i'm not saying you just take what he did and and completely extrapolate it but even if you kind of uh gave him a little bit of average uh playing time for another 40 or so games there's no way that that wouldn't have panned out to be a solid upper upper round first second round pick and i don't need my first round pick to be a top 15 player to feel like i did it right if he's a top 30 to 40 player i'm I'm actually fine with that. I I don't know how you feel about first round picks. Are you, uh, you think it's a flat out disappointment if they're not in the top 15 at the end of the year, or are you just looking for something that is upper crust?
1: I'm just looking for something that's upper crust. I mean, within when I looked at the other stuff, you know, picking five, I was, I went to go with the most exciting thing there. Honestly, he's the only guy that I even considered. I didn't even look down the rest of the chain. I mean, yeah, there's Blackman there. You know, what's possible Harper been there. That's Stanton maybe with the thing, but I figure I can go Turner with speed. I was trying to make sure I had enough speed early on so that I could just start picking up power later. The
0: speed is so game-changing. He had 46 stone bases in 98 games, 33 the year before in 73 games. This guy has 81 steals in 198 games and he doesn't get caught either just 16 caught stealings uh great batting average you know obviously it was uh through the roof in 16 342 we knew that wasn't going to happen he got off to a little bit of a slow start in 17 so he only hit 284 but 284 is a good batting average we're in a batting average deficient error right now with all the strikeouts and shifts so even a 284 while is not um completely elite it certainly is a nice foundation that's i feel feel like that's kind of the low end that you would expect from somebody like this he should easily be hitting in the upper 290s low 300s and there's some punch too which completely differentiates him from somebody like a billy hamilton or even a d gordon who has the batting average to go with it so i think that's the real comp there that you want to look at to see what you're gaining d gordon versus trey turner and the fact that he actually has some punch to his game uh, makes him so much better in my estimation i think he's an easy first rounder i had no problem with you taking him at five so let's then move on to your second pick which was george springer uh and there you're getting power you get a little bit of a speed throw in another high volume uh, uh well this time a high volume player I shouldn't say turner is yet because we haven't seen it so you've got a high volume player uh who's who's certainly held up put together big seasons over the past here and then you backed it up with uh zach granke so talk to us about springer and granke as your two three picks
1: yeah, more power tools than number two. Grinky, I mean, I, I debated that one. I sat on a little bit because I thought about. You know, I l- looked at Archer, but it's like, no, I'm I'm gonna go with the National League guy. When in doubt, flop the other direction. Yeah. Uh, and I also looked at Degrom, and those that's, were the next two starters that went. That's those the only i I'd have looked at. Yep, and that's how they should be bunched. Anyhow, um, I thought about. That. I actually entertained the thought of doing Kenley Jansen early because I, I knew that. He was gonna be gone with Jeff sitting there late. Jeff likes to take take two closers within the first four Jeff rounds. And
0: Van Riper. Both yeah. picking on the edge there at fourteen fifteen. You knew that some closers were gonna go. And actually Erickson double popped with a Jansen Kimbrell.
1: Yeah. And they actually went three in a row and took Cantana as his first pitcher. Um and he's got four pitchers in the first uh, first nine rounds too. Um but yeah, so I, I entertained I entertained doing that, but I went with Granky uh to stick there and that was really it. I mean, yeah. saw so you went, you know, you did Trout, obviously, then Syndergaard, then Seager uh, in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm.
0: I felt really good about that. Obviously, getting Trout number one overall really didn't consider anybody else. I don't know that I would uh, chastise anyone who took Altuve. I think he has gone first in some leagues, but I don't know. I, I, I think you're probably just trying too hard there. Uh, maybe not. That's... You look at what Altuve does, uh, I think you could justify it. I went Trout. I didn't even consider it. And then coming back, I had a lot of choices there. I mentioned that I already took Wilson Contreras uh in the fourth. So I was thinking about upper tier catchers, and I did kind of want to look at Sanchez. I was looking to go sanchez Seeger. Well, Ron Chandler took Sanchez with that number, uh his second pick of the second round there. And so lost out right before my well, – excuse me. 14th pick of the second round when you're coming back. So, right before my pick, and I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to go starter Seeger. Uh, I like that Seeger's fallen out of the early second round, which is where he was last year. I thought he was a little bit overvalued. Now he's going um, in between the third and fourth rounds. And that, you know, when we talk about differences, uh, it's definitely not the same, uh, throughout the entire draft. When you're talking about going from the second to third round, that's not the same as going from the seventh to the eighth round. It's like that NFL draft value chart where the picks are, are much more disparate in value up at the top and then really start to bunch together. So the fact that he's, he's just out of the second round and in the third, I think is, is some actual upside. Potential built in for Corey Seager and Thor. You know he finished the season on the on the field, so I feel pretty good about him. There was Severino, Carrasco, Strasburg, and then your grinky that went right after my Seager pick. And yes, I did give consideration to uh, a few of those guys. It was actually Strasburg and grinky I didn't want to go AL as well. You and I actually have a weird affinity for taking too yep. many AL pitchers uh, when we put together our teams. It's really weird, and the the gap has certainly closed. But when I was taking an ace and I kind of had all but the top four, five available to me, which was Kershaw, Scherzer, Sale, Kluber, Bumgarner, I went with Thor, and it was uh, kind of an easy pick. So I went Thor, Seeger and then Contreras, Kniebel coming back in the 4-5, and I felt pretty good about that. You got Andrus and Chapman and of course I did consider Chapman with Kniebel it was basically a toss up and I figured the next closer to go would be Chapman and you took him four picks later so Andrus a guy that you propped last year who beasted out what do you think he's going to do for a follow up after that amazing season last
1: year you know more of the same I didn't like like when I when I pushed him up last year I said look he was playing hurt in the second half he hit for a very strong average wasn't running because he had that sports hernia and then uh, you know, came out and did what I said he was going to do last year as far as running and oh yeah then and he also popped a bunch of home runs. So the home runs could come down, but as long as he's getting on base and moving himself over in a scoring position, yeah, the run should still be there for him. So I mean, I really like, I don't think he's going to be another 2020 season, but maybe a 15, 20 season yeah, is attainable for him. And he's going to hit for a high average. I mean, he's done it the last two years and that's really what I wanted What I was trying to do early was average pop, some pop. And I got that with the first two guys, some average, all three guys, speed for three of the four guys, and I have got the, the the pitcher there uh, with Chapman. I entertained the thought of letting him go by and try and like hoping that Ken Giles, because I just can't quit Ken Giles because the damn numbers were really good uh, last year the whole series. Uh, you know, I was thinking about okay, I'm going to let Chapman go by and I'm going to see if I can get I'm going to see if I can get Giles on the way back. So I almost punted that, but then I wasn't terribly. I mean, and Karnashian would have been predictable for me, and I I didn't do that. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I just wanted enough strike. I just wanted to go with enough strikeouts. And, and Chapman gets that. And as much as I hate the Yankees, uh, they're going to win a lot of freaking games this year. And so he and the way they and the way he gets utilized. Yeah, new skipper, but um, his jar has gone or whatever. I can't keep track of the skippers these days. But anyhow, he's going to get used. He's going to get his saves. Uh, he may not get as many as a middle run team that gets a, uh, you know, the like. I think hey, I think uh, Alex Kame leads the league in save opportunities here in the last few years. Yeah, because, because the Rays play a lot of close games.
0: Exactly, they don't have an overpowering offense. They kind of stay in every game, and when they are getting wins, he gets opportunities. But obviously, Chapman's going to get his. Uh, they can kind of protect him and not really beat him into the ground during the regular season. But I don't think it's really going to impact uh, his save totals. You should be fine there. He came back, and I don't know if you were eyeing second base the whole way, but then Merrifield and Scope went in that same fifth round. Then Chris Taylor, Daniel Murphy, Yon Mancada to Tim Heaney in the middle of the sixth round. So second base kind of took a hit, but then you still had Robinson Cano there, who you took in the sixth round. Uh, what were you thinking, taking Robinson Cano? Uh,
1: I wasn't looking at him. Uh, it's just more of what, what became, like I said, if Kane had made it back, I would have taken Kane there for a second outfielder. Um, I entertained the thought of going with Hosmer because I'd yet to address corner at that time, but he went two picks after Kane, and then Giles went. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I said, look, if he's still there, I don't mind going back-to-back if he's still there, Uh, but I also looked at Luis Castillo, went one pick ahead of me, so it was like, okay, who's the best guy? And I almost went Rivero who went one pick after me, but Cano seemed to be the safest of the plays. And so that's where I, I was went. actually
0: going to go Rivero. I was looking to do a double, uh, a double closer myself and get Kniebel Rivero. As you mentioned, he went right after your pick. A couple picks later, it was me. And I took Miguel Cabrera in the sixth round with Shohei Otani. So I went kind of the, uh, uh I went double risk uh on each end of the spectrum, the youth and the, uh, and, and the age there, you know, when you posted the draft board there was uh, some talk about well you know if, if Paul's going to take him in the 6th he's going to get him as much as he wants suggesting that he didn't like he didn't like the valuation there i'm not willing to to believe that that cabrera is done and and list talks about this a lot and i i fully agree with them on it in terms of uh these upper crust hall of famers they don't always, they, they don't necessarily just lose it. It's usually injury. And so that is definitely a risk that that injury, uh, it was the beginning uh, of the end here for Cabrera. And he's just going to kind of slowly trail off and, and, and grind out these next few years. I'm willing to bet that his health's going to get back on track and he's going to have a solid season this year in the sixth round. I felt like that was worth the gamble. And then Otani, Otani's a guy that I've definitely come into draft season thinking, well, I'm not really going to get him because I think the cost is going to be too high but then he keeps going in the 90s 90 to 100 range which I'm actually comfortable with Uh, I think that was pick 91 that I took him with and I felt perfectly fine and you know I like Luke Weaver but uh, he went to Ron Chandler just before my Miguel Cabrera pick I feel like he's being a little bit overdrafted whereas uh, in this instance Otani it was either Otani or the guy you got in the seventh round Masahiro Tanaka who everyone knows I do love and I'm I'm back in on him this year i just went with otani in this instance uh because this is a draft that counts and i did want to get a share and i know i'll get my tanaka shares so i went otani at pick 91 did you have any thoughts on otani there uh
1: no i really didn't i mean after pick 90 i'm fine uh you after the first six, i I thought would have been the first six right the fifth or six i thought would have been a reach at the seventh if he ends up Pitching 160, or if he gets uh, enough plate appearances, how are we using well, him in this league? Is no, it no, it's gonna one? be pitcher
0: only, so I, I gotta get the, I gotta get the, it's just gonna be what he does on the mound. I honestly think though, 140 innings w- w- would be fine. I mean, you know, James Paxton, Rich Hill, uh, Lance McCullers, you know, these guys, you can have a top 25, top 30 starting pitcher season with that kind of innings count now if he does if he is able to go 160 that's going to be some some benefit for me but I felt pretty comfortable taking him Tanaka went to you then Paxton Arietta, Gio Gonzalez uh, in that same round and uh, Paxton and Tanaka were definite considerations but I went ahead and went with the shiny new toy I did fall for shiny new toy syndrome I got some shints Uh, you know I tried to I tried to avoid the shints but I went double shints because my eighth round pick was Ozzy Albies but again He's been going in the top 100, so the, the That's fact that seven rounds him, too
1: late—you got him at such a bargain. That's seven rounds too late. I couldn't
0: believe it. Seven rounds later than he should have absolutely gone. But no, I honestly I felt great uh, about getting him here to kick off the uh, the, the eighth, or to, excuse me, to cap off the eighth round. I,
1: mean, I personally, I personally wouldn't have taken Otani in the seventh round. Uh, you know, you're, it, it, he has definitely has the upside there. There are safer options, but upside wise, you went with the upside pick. Back to back upsides of Otani and Albies could make or break. Sure, really. I mean, yeah. uh, and the six, seven, eights, Because personally, I'm not big on Miggy there either. I know that where Chris is on this, but getting to my Justin Boar point, why do I pitch to this guy? I'd rather have him. I'd rather have him clogging up the bases, waddling on down the second base, uh, and, and clogging it up. Y- yeah, you've got Casianos uh, in that lineup, but there's no reason to throw to him. Yeah, but people still will.
0: There really is. They they, they they still will because they don't go through a whole season just not pitching to somebody like you know we're even talking about Boer and it's like yeah they could just completely pitch around him but. It's a, it's a six month grind and, and he's going to get stuff to hit. So I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, we will see how, how that will go with, with Cabrera. And yeah, all three of those picks definitely carry some risk, but I'm okay with it. I, I do, I'm, mean, I am kind of shooting for the moon here, uh, in this 50 round draft. And then, like I said, in the ninth, I did get, uh, Yasiel Puig. You ended up, as you mentioned, with the Mustakas Devers combo here. Uh, what landing spot for Mustakis would, would appeal to you most?
1: I wouldn't even think it about landing spot because even if for some reason he ended up back in KC, you know where things are. Uh,
0: well, his power played there. Yeah, his power can play anywhere. Yeah, uh, exactly. I
1: mean, What would appeal to me most is the Yankees going further all in. Uh, that would definitely appeal to me most. Uh, I don't know outside of that. I don't know where really to find a home for him. I think Travis Sochick wrote an article saying, "Yeah, you know, the Yankees could make this work if they, they wanted to. They certainly
0: could. Uh, that that's absolutely something they could do, and that would be a, a boon for you as well. I did like your uh, I did like your your Devers pick. He's somebody I keep eyeing and looking at. I do think I want to get in on on at least a share of him this year. What you see out of him and his little sample that uh, that has you eager about Devers coming into the season? Dude,
1: I love the swing. I mean, he's got he sells out. Velocity is nothing for this guy. We, we've seen him go off Chapman. We've seen him go off Giles. Uh, we've seen him be able to, to recognize the off speed, uh, you know. With the, I remember a particular home run against off of uh, Francisco Liriano, but velocity is not a problem for this dude. Uh, and I just like those how lefties he, Chapman and Liriano, and he is a left. I just like how he covers the plate. I think is uh, very excited to see him over the full course of a season. I've sat on, I've waffled on this a little bit because, like I said, absolutely would have taken Puig had he have been there, um, and. As much as I like Gregorius and went one pick before me, I already had two shortstops. So that wasn't going to play. I looked at Jake Land there and I also looked at Marvin Gonzalez just for the positional flexibility with Marvin Gonzalez. And I said, you know what? uh I I maybe maybe your Albies pick inspired me to go after the guy with the most upside and so I went with Devers there but there definitely was I could have gone safe with Beltray. who went right after me um with with Lamb who we know what he can do against right-handed pitching but the issues against lefties are real and they're not going away
0: and two second half fades one that had some injury uh reasoning behind it two years ago but then last year don't really know what happened to lamb in the second half uh, it's funny you mentioned Marwin gonzalez i did consider him it was Marwin or puig for me and i really debated uh but then in the end i went with puig uh so yeah so that's where we're at now through nine rounds we're actually about to finish the ninth round once dvr picks and, and then kicks off the 10th round this is a 50 round draft and hold so we will draft these 50 rounds and that is it um and and that's that's your team for the entire year. So you gotta you gotta make your contingency plans now for things. You gotta end up with uh, four catchers or so. You you want to you want to you protect yourself from that. Make sure you get enough pitching. Make sure you get enough something to kind of cover every spot. And it does make guys like Marwin Gonzalez particularly useful guys that you that have flexibility are super useful in these leagues because you don't know which of these you know let's say 35 to 50 rounders are really going to pop so you want to be able to put them in your lineup no matter what and you know for example if you already had um you know all of your corners locked and and you couldn't move them at all and and you know let's say Greg Bird of last year. Cause I can't think of somebody comparable this year. Maybe Logan Morrison. Cause he's going to be so cheap and, and he does, he has another big season. You want to find a way to get him in. So if you have guys that you can move around, it really does help in this league. And that's why I almost took Marlon Gonzalez, but I did want to get another outfielder. I did see kind of the OF twos really drying up and I do feel comfortable with Puig backing up trout. So I, I feel pretty good about my team right now. I know there's some risk. Yeah.
1: I'm actually looking forward to this. I've never done a draft and hold league. I I've, you know, I've, I've often said I'm a really good drafter. I'm just a terrible in-season manager. So at least this gets rid of. So I, I can't cut any of these guys. So that's part of my problems. I end up cutting somebody running out of patience. So at least now I get to keep the talent. So that should help me a little bit. Uh, but I've always always looked at this saying, "Yeah, I really want to do one of these drafting holds because I like the strategy of, like I said, having to draft four catchers or, or, or like trying to speculate the deeper rounds on where the saves are going to come from and that type of thing. But I've never done, all I've done in the NFPC is mix is this, the standard mix thing. So I am uh, very excited about this.
0: And, and you know, who's going to find the Aaron judge because he was a complete afterthought pick last year. And he, he no doubt uh, was on a lot of draft champion team uh, winners i'm sure last year so it'll be really uh fun with this group this is a tight group it's got us ron chandler todd zola brian walton doug dennis uh it says the commish is that greg greg amber yeah, yes it um, is um tristan cockcroft tim heaney i almost said andrew heaney <laughs> the, the pitcher steve gardner lar michaels west, uh, ray west murphy gardner, from baseball Haney, west Q. gardner <laughs> Eric Carabell, Scott Erickson, <laughs> and uh, Derek Van Riper. I can't think of anybody else. Is there a Dennis? There's got to be a last name Dennis somewhere. That was a uh, uh, famous player. I can't think
1: of. Um, Jerome Walton. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's
0: going to be a tight group, and I'm really excited for those late rounds with this group. I've only played uh, draft and holds with, with people that I don't that I know either from Arizona, the Arizona league that I do every year is a 50 round draft and hold. And I did a couple random ones last year where I didn't really know anybody. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, a group of industry folks really tackles. Like I said, those like 30, 35 through 50 rounds when we're really scraping and trying to turn over every rock for some talent. So I'm sure we'll update it uh next time we were able to pod. And uh speaking of what's the, uh, what's the, what's the travel schedule looking like?
1: Guess where I'm going to be next week? Austin, Texas. Yes, sir. Let's go. Waterburn. February fifth, February fifth through the eighth. I get in about two, just after two o'clock on Monday the fifth, and I leave on the eighth. So uh, yeah, we could have dinner. I mean, I'm, I have no problem recording Sunday if some stuff happens, if some signing, because I'm not watching that garbage Super Bowl. We all lose. I have some very good friends that are Eagles fans. If they win, they're going to be incredibly insufferable, and I'm going to lose a bunch of jokes because I just, I've, every year, I give them crap about having an empty trophy case. And then if if Patriots win, we all lose. So I I truly am not watching the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go hang out, and I am going to watch it, but uh, it's definitely not one where.
1: Are you going to go watch it over at that streaming place again? Maybe. Oh, I'm so jealous.
0: I mean, we'll, we'll see. Actually, I really don't know. I, I know that she's been traveling and so we'll see, but I've got, I got a few invites, uh, to different places. So I'm going to watch it. Uh, earlier,
1: be... su- earlier Sunday. I'm honestly, I truly am not watching it.
0: I'll tell you what. The best part about the Super Bowl, though, is that it is the official end uh, of that se- of the football season. The official beginning of the baseball. season. Oh, I got a and whole bunch of Austin. stuff lined
1: up to tweet February 5th that morning. I'm going to be at the my flight's at 9:30. I I am going to have a lot of fun that morning.
0: We've been full baseball throughout, but the the those that are that are really two sport folks that that dive into. F- football fully uh they come over to baseball here once the super bowl is capped off Uh, and so that's the unofficial opening day of baseball so i'm definitely looking forward to that aspect of it as well so we will talk soon probably this sunday on super sunday and until then i'll talk to you later.
1: all right buddy